0: hi there and welcome to another Asian Conversations where Scott and I will be talking about Wang Heng Meniothin's US debut so he's making his debut and it's been announced this week tell me more
1: he has indeed announced that he will be making his US debut it will come on April 25th in Palm Springs against Filipino Marco John Remontiza
0: okay but isn't Wang Heng one of the real little guys? Like the smallest of the small?
1: He is indeed. He's 105 pounds so he's a minimum weight. He is the smallest of the small and as we all know US audiences haven't typically taken to the smallest of the small guys. Why is that? They like the bigger guys, like the guys that are on size but it may be a little bit different here.
0: Okay so why is he fighting in the US?
1: He signed a contract with US promoter Golden Boy Promotions last year, who want to make a bit of a song and dance, I imagine, about Hing's unbeaten record. He's currently 54-0 with 18 knockouts, he has the longest world title reign of any existing male world champion, which began back in, I believe, November 2014, and he's made 12 defences, so he's got a longer world title reign than Deontay Wilder, he's got 12 defences to his name, and his unbeaten record surpasses that of Floyd Mayweather Jr
0: and I mean that's a really impressive record I mean everybody kind of when uh, Mayweather was kind of unbeaten and his unbeaten streak that that was making news everybody was talking about it and yet obviously he's 54 0?
1: He's 54 and 0 there has been news reports around the world um, I believe Sky Sports News and BBC ESPN have all mentioned him it's not a world record but it is the it's a milestone, and within beating Mayweather, it's seen as a really big achievement. It's the longest reign of any unbeaten world champion active at the moment. Of course, guys like Sugar Ray Robinson and Jimmy Wilde had longer unbeaten records, but this is the longest that we've seen in well recent years, should we say?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's incredibly impressive. So, why are the US promoters using him?
1: Golden Boy are using him because there's actually been a bit of a mad dash for talent in recent years. We've got three major stables of boxing, I guess you can say. There's the PBC, there's Top Rank, and there's DAZN, which are a combination of Matchroom and Golden Boy. All these are rushing to sign talent. They're looking to get the biggest audiences. They're looking to have something to work with for the future. So if Golden Boy, for example, can come up with a stable of little guys, then they can corner that niche. They've got quite a few of them. They've got Wan Hang, they've got DJ Creole, and they've got, I believe, Felix Alvarado now working either with them or in association with them. So there's a stable there they can draw a small fan audience to. Um, they're all sort of working different niches to try and provide a lot of content and build on what they've got.
0: And obviously, as we said, um, the unbeaten record. Um and obviously, Floyd's one was incredibly sellable. So, is the idea that these people then, for for these obviously kind of people, were the the kind of? So
1: yeah, yeah. For the people who are big fans of Mayweather's record, and we're going, ooh, greatest ever! You've got this. This is a way to sort of sell Hang And as we probably know, Oscar De La lost to Mayweather. And may have a little bit of bitterness about that whole situation. So having the The guy who beat Floyd's record, yeah, yeah. Having him on broadcast would indeed help sell, and perhaps give perhaps give Oscar a little bit of an ego trip or something along those lines. It's a chance for him to sort of uh, shove one final one at Floyd.
0: Yeah, so it's a a bit of a competition going, obviously, to to kind of sign the guy that, that that beat the record. So I mean, the idea also with it kind of going to the US it will kind of generate more fans for these guys as well and just maybe a bigger profile obviously as we said everybody was talking about Mayweather's record and stuff so it's the idea maybe it will start becoming more kind of known in the western countries and things like that as well
1: to an extent this will certainly help Hing's profile in the west most of the guys don't have records like this most of the guys are trying to do different things themselves you've got other fighters who uh, doing other achievements as opposed to running up a really long relatively low profile unbeaten record so it, it'll help one thing in this particular case it won't drag attention to Thai boxing scene in general
0: I mean but obviously as as they're signing kind of smaller guys and, and then we know particularly in the US that they're kind of interested in the, the kind of heavier weights would it be a case that it could kind of Shine more light onto the lower weights, uh, you know. Sign obviously, fighters both in the west and the east give a bit more attention to this kind of lower weights.
1: It would shine a different light onto the guys. I don't think it's shine a bigger light if that makes sense. The US is certainly the market that our audience are aware of. But the reality is, a guy like Wan Heng draws a good rating in Thailand. A guy like Noye Inoue draws multi-million viewers in Japan. These guys aren't going to have more eyes on them by fighting in the West. But they may have higher worldwide profiles by doing that. So, yeah, you're kind of on the point, but kind of not at the same time.
0: So, I mean, it has its benefits, but it it maybe is not the kind of the... It's not the be-all and end-all. Yeah. Be-all and end-all, yeah. Um... So basically, um, he isn't the only Asian to be signed one of these stables, though, is he?
1: He's certainly not. This past weekend, we had PBC fighter Tug Scott Nayambaar from Mongolia in action. They also have Manny Pacquiao. Golden Boy Promotions have not just got Wan Hing, but they've got Kanzu, the featherweight punching machine. Matchroom have Sri Saket the biggest name in Thailand right now. Um, all the promoters are on a mad dash at the moment for Central Asian fighters from Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan these guys were top amateurs they're being snapped up left right and centre we've seen Muradjon Akhmadaliev just recently claimed a world title Israel Madrimov Viktor um, Mir Malikuziev, Hassanboy Duzmatov these are all going to be big stars of the future the promoters know these guys are going to be able to be fast tracked and top rank also signed quite a few Japanese fighters
0: so, obviously, they're, they're signing kind of people from the east, but particularly kind of signing them at the, in the early stages of their career and, and, and things like that. So, so, kind of snapping them up early ish? Sure.
1: In some cases, that's the case. Especially with the Central Asian guys. The Uzbeks have been snapped up, the Kazakhs have been snapped up. one Hang on the other hand, was, had over 50 bouts before he was signed. So, it really just depends on the particular guys Shrisuka had over 50 fights he was signed because he uh, beat Roman Gonzalez a few years ago Kanzi was signed after he scored a big win on US soil as a big underdog the Japanese guys at Top Rank have got they're a little bit different in some ways
0: so um, tell me more about these kind of Japanese fighters that are, uh, are with Top Rank
1: uh, the first one the first real big name was Ray Murata who they signed before he debuted so They got in at the first floor with him. They signed Masayuki Ito, who had had quite a few fights. They signed him for his world title fight. So, yeah, he was a little bit more established. They've also recently signed Andy Hirooka, a Japanese who speaks perfect English. He's possibly the most marketable other than Murata, um, other than, of course, one of the guys they recently signed, Noya Inoue, who they signed after he was a three-weight world champion. They're getting somebody who is well known, who the boxing world knew about. So they say the only say new guys is a little bit misleading, but it does seem very much to be a longer-term plan for all the promoters.
0: So yeah, they've probably got their kind of eyes on a, on their the, what they can do with the future for these people. Well, I mean, even I know a new a, and uh, and that that really does say quite a lot. Um, so. Something else is actually happening on April twenty fifth as well this year.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one to put one thing on that date because, of course, Noye Anya fights John Real Casemiro on the same day. So it seems a really odd choice to put one thing out there. I suspect this is a date that gone Boy perhaps have to fill for design or have wanted to come up program against um, top ranking Anyway. It's clearly not going to be the bout people are watching. They're going to be tuning in for the white bout on ESPN, so why they have Hang make his debut on such a low-profile card. It also has uh, Felix Alvarado, I believe, defending against DJ Creel, which is a really good bout. They've got two decent bouts there, and they're going up against Inoue, which just seems madness.
0: Well, yeah, I mean... It, you wouldn't be kind of fighting against the kind of bigger names particularly for somebody's debut you maybe wouldn't be happy with that kind of timetabling necessarily
1: yeah for his US debut you'd imagine they would want wanted somebody higher up the car that they could then go hey look who else we have on this show but it may well be that they just want to try and fill a venue they book something in advance or they just want to keep things ticking over but Vivian figures are going to be great it seems very very foolish to be quite frank but on the other hand there may be logic there may be some method to this madness in getting him a US belt where there's not any real attention on him the attention has been deflected so it may mean that there's not pressure on him to perform get the 54th win under his belt get his US debut under his belt and then the next one they could put on a big card later in the year that's the only logic I've got behind this one
0: yeah, so it might obviously be kind of a bigger plan, but obviously it, on face value as we see it, it doesn't seem like the best idea in the world. But, I mean, either way, April 25th, we, we, we obviously know a new Inoue's fighting, so we've all got that kind of booked, ready to go, really. So, I mean, where do you see this kind of going with kind of... Is it sort of the future? Do you expect it to continue or...?
1: I'm certainly expecting to see the mad dash for Asian talent to continue there will be fighters that always want to fight in the US we've just recently seen Yuishiro Yoshino the Japanese lightweight champion admit that he wants to fight stateside there's others Junto Nakatani for example is over in the US quite a bit the Uzbeks and the Kazakhs will continue to head stateside for most of their going on going forward the ties? Maybe not. There isn't really too many big name ties that haven't already signed with one of the promoters with Shrysuke and Wan Hing being their number one and number two. Knockout CP Freshman might but even then it's kind of <sighs> being honest I don't think Knockout has much left in his career I think he's kind of given up on the spot. you got a lot of Japanese talent emerging through the ranks. A lot of that could be signed up. Although it may make more sense for the promoter to actually Embrace the foreignness, rather than dragging them over to fight in the U.S. It might make more sense to fill up the TV schedule by picking up some of the cars that are already taking place in Japan. We've seen design do it with Work Point, so it adds an extra layer to the schedule. It puts something in their schedule that isn't usually there, and they can still sign the talent by all means. Just perhaps leave them at home every so often, and let the domestic audiences help alongside the international one.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously there is a, a massive appeal, a, appeal for kind of fighters to go to the U.S. Even kind of when we're looking at fighters from the U.K. and stuff, but they want to kind of conquer the U.S. I guess, big market, lots of people. You know, you can get a lot of fans. But I do, I do feel kind of sorry for maybe more of their home fans that then, you know, they maybe get a lesser deal because obviously the time differences and things like that in America. You know, once once they're over there, it, you know you might kind of lose that bit of that home fan appeal I guess
1: for some of the smaller guys there isn't the same marketplace in the US <sighs> again I mentioned Inoue's figures Inoue draws 10 million plus for fights in the US uh, Murata can do the same they're not getting a fraction of that by fighting in the US they get that in Japan not in the US they get that on Fuji TV they don't get that on ESPN because Yoka again draws 10 million plus when he fights in his homeland uh, the exposure goes somewhere towards it the payment certainly can be better in the US but Japanese sport has been grown, built on free TV and free TV grows a fan base, the fan base then becomes <laughs> the next generation of fighters Joshiro Tatsuyoshi from the 1990s was so influential he is the reason that Japan right now is having a massive wave of talent to take away someone like anywhere like Murata, like Ayoka and not let them fight at home would be a massive, massive detriment to the long term development of the sport in the homeland.
0: Well, yeah, because, uh, you know, there'll be young boys and girls be watching New eh? A, watching them on TV and, and going, I want to do that, I want to do that. So then you kind of maybe lose that appeal if they have to be up at ridiculous o'clock in the morning or at night. You know, you maybe wouldn't get those younger fans tuning in if if, if it was US, kind of more US central. And, and actually there is that kind of appeal that they would they are, would be at home with their home fans and, and you know, maybe... maybe Maybe the U.S. isn't the be-all and end-all for the for this kind of sport. That maybe it is more diverse and and better when people are fighting at home with their their fans. And obviously, it's great that that other people are picking up the shows and that they can be used to fill space and free space. And again, that brings exposure. But but I'd, I'd re- really hate it if kind of more local fans kind of lost and particularly young children, boys and girls, would be watching them. And maybe if they didn't have the opportunity, you'd, you the sport would kind of lose quite a lot, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think you're certainly right. I think if the sport, the sport's a global sport and it needs to be tracked like a global sport, you need to allow each local area to have its fighters. The more you try and strip away the country and the country's own feel, the more damage you'll do. If the US ends up taking the top talent from some of these countries, the fighters won't be on free TV. Uh, for example, Maratha's fights when he fights in the US are on Wowow, a subscription channel, and aren't free TV. That cuts his numbers, it cuts the amount of people who can follow in his footsteps. It does more harm than good.
0: And I think obviously both you and me have, have talked quite a lot together about pay-per-views and, and and kind of that 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 it does lose quite a bit when it goes to pay-per-view and it and and not everybody can afford these costs. I mean, as we is it the Fury fight that's twenty-five pound, um, you know, over here in in US in you you know pounds sterling. That that's a lot of money and and you know for for you know. To, to be kind of forking that sort of money out and then particularly as we, we're talking about kind of young kids, young boys and girls watching these, they don't have that sort of money to be seeing it and, and there is that, that wonderful appeal of, of something being on free TV for, for anybody and everybody to watch it
1: Certainly so, especially with a few it's on at 4 o'clock in the morning yet yeah, £25 to some people isn't a lot of money to some it's 3 months Netflix subscription it's 3 months Wi-Fi and what boxing seems to have completely ignored is the competition isn't each other. Golden Boy, Top Rank, PVC, they're not each other's competition. Um the real competition are other services, other entertainment. If they want to keep having their little civil wars, then they can feel free, they're just having themselves. Fans will look elsewhere for content, they'll look elsewhere for media, they'll look elsewhere for things to entertain themselves. And be it video games, streaming services, other things, the the promoters are just really harming themselves on the spot.
0: Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I don't know if anybody's listening kind of knows. I'm not a uh, kind of a, a a boxing fan. Obviously, my influence in boxing mainly come from you, um, being together so long. But um, the idea that that we, you know, we have kind of. Uh, sort of things like sky sports and things like that so people are already paying a lot of money for their sport and particularly sports fans you know are paying a a good chunk of of money and um, you, you say 25 quid isn't that a lot for some people that's you know it could be a day's wage for some it's it you know and and again kind of you know the the generations of of kind of boxes coming through you know not necessarily got silver spoons in their mouths they want to see this but they don't necessarily want to pay a premium and particularly parents whose children maybe have an interest in sport they they twenty 25 quids an absolute mad amount of money over here i think
1: when you consider that in the coming months you've got fury versus wilder two at 25 pounds you've got dubois versus joyce i think we 20 pounds you've got Joshua versus Puller, potentially another £20, pounds. that's 60 quid just to watch three shows again, it most big fights in Japan are free to wear um, in Japan, in the UK we're paying premium for domestic level title fights the spot's canalising its audience it's canalising itself, it's really ridiculous at times
0: and actually if there's a, you know you'd have to absolutely guarantee everybody on that card is put in a cracking fight for twenty five pound. And and actually from what I've seen and what I know of the sport, I don't think every fight is that to, to, to be worth that twenty five pound and that'll be controversial and you'll probably get loads of tweets and stuff, but I, I don't, really don't think it is. I don't I don't think it's worth Every single fight on every single card that's at 25 quid, 20 quid is, is worth the money. I'm sorry to say, but it's uh, it's really not worth the kind of money.
1: No, you're spot on. It's not. Um, again, Japan get it for free, for the most part. Thailand get it for free. China get their stuff for free. UK audiences get rinsed. American audiences get rinsed. Why do you think the sport's dying in certain countries? Australian... <laughs> Australia probably actually worse than the UK, if we're being honest. They get rinsed on everything. When's the spot going to come to reality and just accept that you've got to have the next generation of fighters seeing what happens. you got to have the next generation of fighters seeing who can fight now. And um, Yeah. We've got way off topic with this, but yeah, you're spot on. We shouldn't be paying out of fortune just to watch the spot.
0: Well, that's it. Thank you very much for listening.